Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. That assurance of knowing that our faith in Jesus Christ is a real thing that lasts with us forever. For God so loved the world that he gave us one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. That is our hope. That's the message that we see the church living out in those first chapters of the book of Acts. And that is what we are to be about today in our lives as believers. Living out the truth, showing and demonstrating the truth of Jesus Christ in our hearts to those people who are around. Telling people about what it means to know Jesus Christ and to love him because he loved us first. That is the message of the gospel. That is the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. And in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts, we see this continuing. We've talked about what we've seen and all the things that's happened in the disciples' lives through those first four chapters. And we see how in chapter four, there's a message that we see experienced by them and what they're about. We see them living out their lives in such a way that they are devoted. They're devoted to one another. They're devoted to the Word of God. They're devoted to the fellowship, that is the body, the koinonia, the breaking of bread, that is the Lord's Supper. They're, break, they're devoted to one last thing we see Luke share with us. They were devoted to prayer. They were about praying for one another, lifting one another up. And we see that message lived out in the passages of Acts chapter, chapter 4, verse 31 through 33, a message of what it means for us to to show and demonstrate Jesus Christ. Look with me in 4, uh, 23 and 24, verses 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported to all the chief priests and elders and said to them, <clears throat> when they heard this, they, the people, raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, I can tell you right now, if I had been there and been a part of that group, the first thing I would have wanted to do was to have a big party to celebrate that Peter and John got out. We would have thrown a party. We'd had a covered dish. Everybody would have been there. We would have celebrated. I would have called the newspaper up and said, I want this headline, Peter and John top the Sanhedrin, a victory over the Sanhedrin. That's what I would have wanted. I would have wanted to see it on the evening news. It been there that this is what happened. What was the first thing that the church did? They prayed. In my life, all too often, prayer is not the first thing I do. God, I've got this one. I, God, I can take care of this. God, you can, take, you can take the back seat on this one. I'm going to handle this situation in my life. I do that way too often. We need to be, church, we need to be more like this church in Acts, in Acts chapter, chapter 4 and in chapter 5. We need to be living our lives bathed in prayer that everything we do and everything we say, we take to God himself. And we say, God, here, I'm having trouble with this. God, I'm having difficulty with this. God, I'm not sure which way to go. And we lay it at his feet. God, you direct me. God, you guide me. God, you fill me. Spirit, 
talking to our Sunday school class. We met with the special class this morning. What a blessing that is. You need to know, and I think I've shared this with you already, but before I get up here, there's a song I sing to myself. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. How's it go? Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. That's a prayer. That's a prayer of supplication, a prayer of me recognizing that I cannot do this on my own. Karen would tell you, I'm a really basically a pretty shy person. But I thank God for what it means not to be Bob Fulkerson standing before you this morning, but a representative of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and of the God who created me and who the God who has filled me with his Holy Spirit. We are each capable of that. Every one of us who are here this morning. And when we find ourselves totally dependent upon ourselves, we are church in the wrong place. When it's all about us, when it's all about what we do, we are in the wrong place. And I think that's the thing that we see is so beautiful with what goes on with this church. We see them praying to the God who made all this possible. God makes a difference in our lives. And if you're here today and you've never made that relationship with Jesus Christ, one that is true and real in your life, he seeks to have you know what it means to experience him fully. And how do we do that? We do that by giving all our hearts. Pretty simple message, isn't it? We see that throughout the God's Word in the Old Testament. What is the greatest commandment? The man came to Jesus and asked him. He already knew the answer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That is the very nature of who we are to be. We are to be God lovers for a reason. And the reason is that God loved us first. He has shown us the way. He's demonstrated what that love is all about through his only son. And we see the church in Jerusalem demonstrating that in their very lives, that people saw in them something. Their lives gave testimony to the faith that was theirs, to the hope that was theirs, to the belief that was theirs in Jesus Christ, their Savior, their Lord. Three things we see, I think, in this passage. Three things we see about what it means for us to understand what it means for us to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and live our lives for Him. Uh, the first is pretty simple. We thank God for what he's done in our lives. And that's what the believers in Jerusalem did. Look at verse 24 again. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Adoration is a part of what it means for us to praise God. When we just simply recognize what he's done and the difference that he's made in our life. Yeah, wake up. We, we, is, was it a beautiful day yesterday? Is it a beautiful day today? It was amazing to see that. And we think that somehow or another, I do sometimes, that I had something to do with that. I didn't have anything to do with that. What would mankind do if we had control over the weather? We would mess it up. We would me I guarantee you we would mess it up. But God gives us this opportunity for us to experience him and experience his love for us through the gift of life he's given us in this world of which we're a part. 
that we see evidence. Let's read the first chapter of the book of Romans and you'll see it. It is evident. It should be evident to everyone who is in this room, whether you're a believer or not this morning, that God is in control of what's going on in our world today. And the church in Jerusalem recognized that. And so they gave praise to him. And how did they do it? It's interesting. They didn't do it as God creator. How did they do it? They did it as God sovereign. You're going to learn a little bit of Greek because that's about all I know. It's the Greek word, listen to this and you'll recognize it, despato. Despato. How about when I say the name Kim Jong-il? That mean anything to you? How about Vladimir Putin? You know what they are? They are despots. They are authoritative rulers. Their rule, their law, your life. Man, I think about that, and I think about this relationship that God seeks to have with me, and the next thing I hear the church in Jerusalem, they're calling God a despot? That doesn't make sense to me. But you know why it doesn't? Because we live in a nation where we don't have a king. We don't have a ruler. We don't have somebody that can come in and claim your life. This is when this was written. This is the way it was lived out. If the king desired your life, your heart, your possessions, he could take it from you. God isn't about that. <laughs> don't you thank God for that? He's not about taking. Our God is about giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that is what he is about and that is what the church has recognized and they say sovereign God sovereign God thank you for what you're doing we thank you I think that that church thanked God for all the things that went on in their lives and this is what we heard this morning several times the things that go on in our lives are they always good things no they're not but we have a God who is, seeks to be present with us in all those experiences. That we would live for him and that we would die to self. That's the picture. That we would die to self, that we might live for Christ. And in that relationship, the world would see him lived out in our hearts and in our lives. We thank God for what he's done. They raise those voices. They praise the Psalms. Psalm 8.1. Listen to this and see if it sounds familiar. You won't do the whole thing. This is Psalm 8.1. Oh, Lord, our God, how majestic is your name. There's a song Robert could sing for you there. Cindy probably knows it too. Uh, in your name and all the earth, I have set your glory. You have set your glory above the heavens. And then he says this. He says, <clears throat> look down at verse 9. There you go. He repeats himself. Oh, Lord, our God, how majestic is your name on all the earth. That's where that passage came from. Remember what we talked about? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's back just a chapter before this. What were they doing? They were studying and seeking God's will and word through his very word, through the life that they had in him. How much time are you spending in God's word looking for answers for your life, looking for the direction that God would have you go? It's there through prayer, through scripture, uh, through interaction with the body of Christ. They gathered together. And that's why it is important to be there. And you know what? God bless you if you're home and listening to this. But if you can be here on Sunday morning, if you can be in Bible study in the time before this, be here. Because that is what keeps us and makes us what we are as the body of Christ. We are a part of that fire 
that was originated in, in, in Acts where we see the Holy Spirit coming on the lives of all those believers. Those tongues of fire came down and set the church afire. Help God to do that in our lives. Help God to use us and recognize what can, He can do through us, but more importantly, what He can do in us. That is the very nature that is to be ours, that God's Holy Spirit would fill us. The church in Jerusalem was filled with that. And so they did all those things and thanked God and praised God for the gifts that He had given. Uh, but the message didn't end there. God also is not only the God of creation, but He's also the God who delivers His people. And they remind Him of that in their prayer. Look at it. Look verse 25. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together. What does that have to do? God, why are they telling God this at this point? It's the very thing that we deal with all the time, I think, in our lives. It's the very same thing in Psalm 73 that Diana was talking about just a minute ago. You look around, you wonder, what's going on here? I thank God for the fact, I had a friend, a very wise friend that told me one day, I was looking at somebody, I was thinking about what was going on in their life, and I said, I'm concerned about that. You know what he said to me? He said, Bob, you are not God. You don't have to take on everyone's problems. You're not the one who's going to make all the difference in their lives. God is the one who's going to do that. And we put ourselves on the throne when we think that we're the end-all, be-all for everybody. And we have to tell everybody what we think about everything and going on in their lives and how their lives are going to be more perfect because of what God has done in my life. That's not what the church does. The church is reminded and thankful to God for what He has done in the past. And you see that message, that message is a direct quote from, <clears throat> again, from, from Psalms 2.1. Listen to this. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth stake their stand and the rulers gather. Wait a minute. Didn't we just read that just a second ago? You know who was struggling with that? King David. David struggling with these issues. I thank God for that. I thank God for the truth of his word and for the fact that in our lives, we can realize that God's word is true because God puts all those failures that are ours in there for us to see because the world gets the idea in our lives that we always are walking around with a smile on our face and everything is going to work out fine for us. So what happens in our lives when we have children to get sick? What happens in our lives when a job disappears all of a sudden? <coughs> Pardon me. What happens in our lives when the disappointments seem to come and roll over us? I thank God for the fact that that hope, that life, has its source in the relationship we have with the Jesus Christ and the hope that is ours in Him. That he is the one that rose from the dead. He is the one that is the son of God. He is the one who told us and tells us continually, I'll be with you. That's what he had to remind the disciples. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to die. But don't worry. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending the paraclete, the paracaleo, the call beside one to be with you. 
And all of a sudden we see an Acts that happens and the church goes, whoa, we get it. We understand it. And those fishermen, those guys who spent their lives working in another field, they changed completely. Why? Because God's Holy Spirit filled them. Does God still do that? Does God, is God still willing to change your life this morning, believer? Is God still willing to take people that have not made that personal relationship real in their lives with Jesus Christ? Is that still happening? We just saw evidence of that just a minute ago. It does. It is. Uh, let's see. Nick, we don't drain this pool tomorrow, do we? Oh, Nick says yes. Yeah. Okay. My prayer would be, you know what? You talk to, talk to Tom. See, we talk to the, whoever's in charge of the baptistry. We ought to have anticipation that maybe next Sunday we're going to have somebody else up here. We need to come to this place on Sunday morning. When we go to Sunday school, we're not coming to listen to what somebody says. We're coming to be moved by what God is saying through them to us. And we need to come with expectation of what God is going to do in our lives today. That's exactly what's going on in that church in, in Jerusalem. They are living with ex, this lives of total expectation that they expect great things to happen, that God is going to do fantastic things. And we won't get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you know what happens. What's the first thing that we see happen? All of a sudden, there begin to be problems in the church, divisions and People getting mad at each other and people being disappointed with one another. And then the next thing you know, there are people on the outside beginning to put pressure on them. And here's the point. Through it all, God is with that church. Through it all. We are the body of Christ. We are gathered here for him because of his ability, because of his love for us. And my prayer would be that we would do everything he's called us to, to live our lives in such a way that the world would see that lived out. You thank God for what he's done in your life. You thank God for what he did in Abraham, Isaac's, Jacob's, David's life. You thank God for how God has spent that time with you to get you to this point right here. It's not coincidental that you're here today. There's not, it's not coincidental that anyone who's here today is here. We are all here for a reason. And that is that we might hear what God has in store for us and that we might answer his call. God has done great things in the past. God is, doesn't stop there. Look at point two. If you need, you need to look at the points, we need to thank God for what he's doing in our life. Uh, look at verse 27 through 29 with me. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power, excuse me, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders throughout your name, <clears throat> the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Forgive me. But this is what happens. You figured it out. If you haven't figured it out, what are they praying now? They're going back and they're thinking about what they're going through right now. Pontius Pilate, it's all his fault. No, it's the Jews' fault. Whose fault is it? 
Whose fault was it that Jesus was crucified? That's what our world, we live that way today. Somebody always has to be blame, right? Have you noticed that? The news really loves that. Somebody has to be the person that caused this. Somebody has to be blamed. The blame has to lie. So, whose fault was it? If you want to know, I'll show you. It was my fault. It was my sin. It was my, my inability uh, to... To trust a God who had loved me so much that he gave his one and only son that Jesus Christ died for me. And if none of you were in this room today, I think he would have done the same thing. He did it for me, but that translates he did it for you. He did it for us. He loved us so much. And that's the message that we see is that there are problems that are beginning to go on. And there's an assurance that are there, uh, that, that are there in the people's prayer that you hear, and that is God, here comes, I'll give you another Bobism. You know what I would have prayed? Kill him. Kill Pilate. Kill all the Sanhedrin. Get rid of them. Stop them. That hatred that I have in my life, that's the way I live. Somebody cuts me off. I don't think that. I don't think I'm going to kill him. All right, don't, don't walk out of here and say that. But have you ever felt like, that's it. That's how I live my life in anger. That I want this to happen because things aren't going my way and this is all your fault. That I'm going to be 20 seconds later than I was because you cut me off. What are these people praying? There's something, don't you love it? What is it they pray for? They pray for boldness. Do you hear that? That we would not be afraid to stand up and say, this is why we do what we do. That happens at the food pantry, at the food clothing. It happens with the youth. I sat in with Nick uh, just a couple of uh, nights ago last Wednesday and saw that. A clear understanding of what it means for us to stand boldly and say, Jesus Christ is the reason that I am here. His death his resurrection and his life in me is the reason I am here. It isn't about this, not about doing, it's not about, it's about being. That we're called to be what Christ would have us be. And that's what the church did. They were truly demonstrating what it means to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That begs the question, doesn't it? What are you and I doing to be bold in our faith, to be bold in our proclamation of the good news of Jesus in this world today? How are we living in such a way that the world would see and know that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives? We are to be about that and always say, because we are to be, we are to be the signs that point others to Jesus. I was going to not do this. Y'all, can you give me just a minute? All right, we're running a little bit late today. I know that. I want to share something with you. I talked to the class this morning in Sunday school about this. Years ago in another town, I had a bunch of guys that worked for the city, and they, uh, they, they, they were the people that put the signs up and paved the roads and did all that stuff. And I was looking for a stop sign. I wanted a stop sign. I figured every preacher ought to have a stop sign. It ought to have a yield sign. And the barn door was open, and it was a big building. And from about here 
to the back. Uh, it was dark, but the sun was coming in. And in the process, I saw something shining at the very back of this barn, this huge barn. And it wasn't a stop sign. Stop signs are what color? What signs, what color uh, is yellow? Yield. yield. All right, see, y'all know you don't, you don't do that, right? None of us do that. None of us stop, none of us yield. But in the process, I saw something. It was built, it, this thing was bent, as bent as it could possibly be. Can you see that? Got a big, really big hit there. My figure is that, that some car hit this thing when it was up where it was. So I asked the guys, I said, guys, could I have that? And they said, I don't know what you want to do with it, but yeah, you can be. You can have it if you want to, sure. We were going to just throw it away. This sign's been with me for years now. Remember what we talked about in the earlier chapter? The church did marvelous signs and wonders. Who was doing the signs and wonders? God through the church in Jerusalem. Sometimes the signs get bent. I've never cleaned this because sometimes the signs get dirty. But the message is always the same. Now look at it. See, somebody said that. Thank you. See, Nick's back there going, how many of you know what this says? One way. Can you read it like this? 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 It doesn't make any difference which direction people are looking at our lives. If our lives are filled with the Holy Spirit, what do they do? They tell the world there is one way. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's the message that we're called to share. That Jesus Christ is real. And Jesus Christ has changed our lives. And that he is the one way. God calls us to that commitment. He calls us to that relationship. And that's what we see going on in those verses. A message of what the people are struggling with. Real quickly, Hank, just bear with me just a second longer. We see that boldness lived out in their lives, and they do all the things that God has called them to. But then they pray about this. They pray about the great things God is going to do. Look at verse 31 of chapter 4. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What happened when Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross? We were talking about this in Sunday school this morning. Remember what happened? There was an earthquake. There was an earthquake that shook, that split, split the curtain in the temple right down the middle. And it shook everybody else. What happened when those ladies were walking uh, to the tomb that morning? You remember that? Remember what happened? The earth shook and the stone was rolled away. And Jesus was gone. He was risen in our lives. Amen. I can thank you, Ron. I know that message. We see that truth. When we were in North Carolina, we did this. We had a service that was a sunrise service. And we had, it was pretty cool. We had 100, 
125, maybe 150 people that would show up to see this. And we had the whole thing. We had Roman soldiers. We had the women coming to the tomb. We had Peter and John and their foot race. And as we were doing the first, this is one of the first times we'd ever done this before. We had this big group of people. We had some big speakers that were all around the, the group outside. And it came time for the narrator to get to the point where he began to talk about what happened. And as the women approached the tomb, there was an earthquake, and the ground shook, and they, the guards became what? As dead men. And the women were terrified of what was going on. And everything changed from that point. Because Jesus was no longer in the tomb, Jesus is alive. That is our hope. That is our life. And what we see and what we hear in verse 31 of Acts 4 is what you and I are to be about. A recognition that in our lives, this is the way we're living. Look at it again. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God. How? Boldly. Now, Real quick, almost done. Two things happened. Not two things, a bunch of things happened. Number one, when we did the play, Karen was there. She knows, ask her. Sometimes I make things up. Sometimes Karen says, you embellish things. We didn't embellish this. The earth shook that day, all right? It did. Car horns went off. Dogs barked. This is at 6 o'clock in the morning. Lights came on. People stuck their heads out the door because the earth shook. Did you hear what happened to the church in Jerusalem? And the people were shaken. Sometimes God has to take us and shake us to make us understand what it is he's trying to communicate. Nick, just listen. In just a minute, our hymn of invitation will be offered. Softly and tenderly. That doesn't sound very soft. It doesn't sound very tender, does it? But it's a reminder to us of the fact that Christ loved us so much that he gave his life for us. My prayer would be, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that this would be the day. This would be the day of salvation for you. That you would say, I recognize I am totally separated from the God who loves me, who gave his one and only Son for me. I have never in my life, I can't point to the time that I've ever trusted him as Lord and Savior. I give my life, my heart, my all to him because of his call, because of his death, because of his resurrection. I give it all to him and I yield my life to him. If you're a believer here this morning and you're struggling with where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it may be time for God to get a hold of me and shake me. And shake me and say, Bob, are you here? Now, don't shake people. Y'all know that. We're not supposed to shake people, but 
you know what? God can do that. God has the right. God has the ability. And God has the desire to shake our lives and wake us up and help us to recognize the church in Jerusalem, recognize what they were to be about. My prayer would be that Grace Baptist Church would recognize what we are to be about, telling men and women and boys and girls about the love of Jesus Christ and the hope that is ours in him. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this day for the love that you have demonstrated to us. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.